you weren't here last week or yesterday at the Presbyterian Women's Luncheon, you might be wondering who is this person standing on the chancel about to preach to us. My name is Emily, and I am your new interim associate pastor here. So if you're new, welcome. I'm new too. We can be new together. Imagine this. It's your turn to set up for communion. Maybe you've been attending here a long time and you finally have gotten asked or gotten up the nerve to do that special task, to go into the sacristy, a word that we learn in seminary that never gets used, (laughs) and set up. So you come, you're here, you go in, you're going to get the bread and the cup, and you're going to set up. And you're in there, and you're getting your things together, and you look up, and to your right is an angel. And the angel says to you, fear not, because angels have to say that, I guess. (laughs) Fear not. God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. Whatever you've been praying for, your deepest heart's desires. I don't know what your deepest heart desire is, but I hope something good for you. Something good for you, something good for your family, something good for the world. And the angel appears and says, God has heard your prayers God is going to make this happen for you. After you have a chance to digest that there is an angel here, and the angel is here to tell you good news from God, you say, angel, how can I know this is true? And the angel says, I'm an angel. (laughs) I stand in the presence of God. I am here to bring you good news. But because you did not believe me, you will no longer be able to speak until these things come to pass. So here you are with your cup and your bread. You got to come out. And the congregation's already here. They're waiting for you. They're wondering, why have you been in there so long? And you have to come out and tell everyone you've seen a vision using only charades. (laughs) How do you tell everyone out here that you have seen an angel? The angel has come to tell you that God has heard your prayers in gestures. What does that look like? What does the angel, do you flap your wings? I don't know, the halo. Today we could point at the banners of the angels, but I don't know if people would understand that that meant that there had indeed been an angel in there with you just seconds ago. I think you know where I'm going with this. You heard the scripture from this morning our account of Zechariah, the priest. Zechariah was a priest in the time just before Jesus. 
he was a righteous man, and he was married to his wife, Elizabeth, who was also of a priestly line. They were good and solid people who wanted to do their best for God, and yet they were unable to have children. And Zechariah, it's his turn. It's his turn to do his priestly duties. It's his turn to go light the incense in the Holy of Holies, the place in the temple that is the most sacred. And he's going to go and do this and come out and pray with the people. And he gets in there, and an angel appears. And the angel says, Fear not, God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. You will name him John. Very specific instructions from the angel. John means God is gracious. He also says a lot of other things, which we'll get to in a little bit. And Zechariah, when he finds his words, says, how can I be sure of this? Because my wife and I are very old. And the angel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Of course this is true. But because you did not believe me, you will not be able to speak until this comes to pass. And poor Zechariah does have to go out in front of all the people that are standing around praying while he's in there lighting the incense, waiting for him to come out, wondering what is going on with him. And he does have to explain to them, using only gestures, that he has indeed had a vision. This account of an angel coming to give some good news probably sounds familiar. There's another story in the book of Luke, another account of an angel appearing out of nowhere, giving good news, which is the good news to Mary, which you heard last week or last year. In Luke, the account of Zechariah actually comes first. It comes before Gabriel appearing to Mary. Zechariah and the birth of John foretold comes before the birth of Jesus. The, the angel announcing that Mary will become pregnant because John, his role in life will be to make ready a people for the Lord. He is coming to announce the Lord's coming. And Luke, this book of Luke, is particularly concerned with a balance of power, with social stratification, with the rich and the poor and the distance between them. It's a time of great tension where the people of the land, the Israelites, have been oppressed by the Roman rule. And there is some corruption in the administration at the highest level and also at the lowest level. And there's a lot of political unrest. People are very unhappy. And on top of all of this, there are a lot of bandits running around, terrorizing people, making people afraid. And in the midst of all of this unrest, people are praying to God for a savior. They want someone to come and save them. 
to throw off Roman rule, and also to bring God's kingdom to earth. And in the middle of this big prayer for a savior to come, we have the smaller prayer of Zechariah and Elizabeth, a prayer for a son. And Gabriel comes to bring that good news that a son will be born to them, but the good news for Zechariah and Elizabeth is also good news for all of the people. Because this son will be part of the advent of God's coming kingdom. Their son, John, in my more uh, whimsical moments, I like to think of him as the original advent calendar. (laughs) Because his role is to announce that Jesus is coming. (laughs) He is there to announce that the Lord is coming. And the angel gave a lot of specifics. I wrote them down. Um, Specifics about John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, which it's a baby. Yes, of course, (laughs) it's a joy and a delight. But many people will delight at his birth. He will be great in the Lord's eyes, and he must not drink wine or liquor. And these instructions, he must not drink wine or liquor, is about him being set apart for service to the Lord. Uh, There were some customs at the time that if you were in a special kind of service to God that you would not drink. And this command, I guess, this idea that John should not drink wine or liquor throughout his life is marking that he is set apart throughout his life for service, a holy service. To the Lord. And he will be filled with the Spirit even from before his birth. He will bring many Israelites back to the Lord, their God. This is John's role to announce the coming of the Lord, to help turn the Israelites back to God. He's going to be equipped with the Spirit and the power of Elijah like a prophet of old, like a voice crying in the wilderness. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers, some translations say parents, some say fathers, back to their children. And what I read about this was that Roman fathers, fathers in Roman time, were in particular known to be rather abusive and cruel. And I I don't know, I wonder if that had trickled down to the Israelite culture as well. And so there's this idea of turning the hearts of the father back to the children, helping restore those relationships. And on top of that, he will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. John's role is to help people turn back to God, to help them be ready when the Lord comes, ready to have those eyes to see and ears to hear what Jesus will have to say to them. He will make ready a people for the Lord. 
he will make ready a people for the Lord. It's Advent for us. What is Advent but making ready a people for the Lord? In our communities, in our church community, in our families, what are we doing in Advent? We are making ourselves ready for the coming of the Lord. Except for us, we know what our routines are going to be. We know we're going to come, we're going to light this candle, and then that candle, and then the pink one. Not the pink one first. (laughs) Never the white one first either. (laughs) Always last. And we know that we are going to come to church and John the Baptist's birth is going to be foretold and then the angel is going to come to Mary and Mary is going to say, what is happening? Nothing is impossible with God. And then we know that they're going to get the call for the census and they're going to have to get on that donkey and go to Bethlehem. And then we know when they get to Bethlehem, there will be no room in the inn. There never is, every year, never room in the inn. And then we know that poor Mary, she is going to have to have that baby in a stable or a cave, depending on which year and which translation we're using. (laughs) Somewhere where there are animals in a manger, she is going to have that baby. We know we're going to come to church on Christmas Eve. We're going to sing songs. We're going to light candles. We're going to uh, silent night, holy night, go home. And in the morning when we wake up, Christ is born. Hallelujah. We know this is going to happen. It happens every year. I wonder, though, I wonder if one of the calls to us in this scripture today is to think about Zechariah and how he went about his routine, his religious routine. He was a good and upright, righteous man who knew he was going to go to the temple and light the incense, and it was a great honor. And in the middle of this surprise, an angel is here, your prayers have been answered. He thought he knew how it was going to go. And then it was different. We know how the story goes for us, the gospel account. But really, if you think about it, is there anything more surprising than God emptying God's self of all divinity And coming to earth to be born as a baby among us. That is very surprising that this would happen. Can't think of anything more surprising. Except maybe our Easter story with the crucifixion, the resurrection. That is very shocking and surprising as well. These things that we say, these stories that we tell, these gospel accounts, they are audacious 
They are surprising. Zechariah prayed for a son. And his prayer would be fulfilled in his old age. That is audacious and surprising. And we pray, too, one of our greatest prayers. We pray that God's kingdom will come and that God's will will be done and that we as sinners will be saved, will be reconciled to God, that we will be healed, we will have relationship with God. And it's true. It is shocking that this could be true. It is shocking that the creator of the universe would want to come down here and hang around with us. Not only hang around with us, but heal us, have relationships with us, help us be better people. That is good news, yes? Good news. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Zechariah in his day got a foretaste of that with the angel Gabriel showing up and surprising him with his own good news. And then his son, John the Baptist, we call him John the Baptizer because he was out there in the wilderness and then at the rivers preaching a baptism for the repentance, the remission of sins to help make ready a people for the Lord. And John was there to give the people a foretaste of the Lord's coming to help them be ready. So in your Advent preparations, whether you hold off on your Christmas carols till, I don't know, before or after Christmas, whether you have Advent wreath and Advent calendar in your home, whatever you do to make yourself ready for the coming of the Lord, as you go about those preparations, I hope that you will take a little time each day to remember to leave a little room to be surprised by God this season to be surprised at the good news that the Lord is coming. That this is an audacious moment, the Lord coming to us, to be with us. May you take a little time to be surprised by this audacious advent. May it be so. Amen.